Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Stanford P. wrote in when we were trying to pronounce Jaguar the best way. Uh-huh. He said, Jag, you are. That's how they say it, Jag, you are. Because on the commercial, they I, say it like that. I don't think that's what he was saying, though. Listen again, right? Because you're the, you're the one that taught me. Jag, you are. I Jag. get you. Just a guy, you are. Jag, you yeah. are. Wink, wink. <laughs> Just another guy. That was pretty good from Stanford. My actually sent me the YouTube video of correct pronunciation. Okay. Well, pre- we, maybe we can play that over the air or something yeah. like that. Maybe we can uh, all learn together. Brian wrote in on the text line, I guess you can say the bumper pool is in a sink or swim position. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. He is. Jamie wrote in. I love that segment. Thank you, Jamie. We'll be doing it for the rest of the yeah, week. Yeah, man. We got to get them some shine because you know one or two, maybe three of those guys are going to make the team. Yeah, I think so. And th- maybe one or two of them become some guys. That's why it's hard with percentage. I have no clue what the right one is because we're, we're going to add all these percentages at the end and it's going to be like 150. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, just, just off the guy it. for tomorrow, not to spoil it, but the Panthers seem to be looking for a type of corner, though, because when you talk about Ray John Wright and then the guy I'm going to introduce tomorrow, they're looking for some big corners. Well, I wonder, too, if you do that just because undrafted, the further you get into a selection process, the more you just start to look at traits because yeah. you do want that body. But if you're smaller and you have a lot of production, then that's going to outweigh some of the lack of physical traits you it's have. It's so crazy, you though, because you round. look at some of these guys and their superlatives, and you're like, how do you go undrafted? Like, that kid having those great seasons in the SEC, or even when you talk about Cam Peoples as productive as he was. Now, I can see maybe the App State holding mm-hmm. him back, but like a bumper pool, how does he not get picked in you the know, sixth, seventh round? Look, I get it, but when you start to talk about just how crazy good these people are in the NFL and the NBA, right? you just have to have some God-given ability to play at that level if you are not elite, elite at the production stuff despite not being able to jump um, 40 feet off the ground and run a 4-4. I just, it's the NFL, the NBA, it is where God-given ability does meet a lot of the production. And if you don't have the God-given ability, then it's going to be tough. Because I guarantee you there are guys that got picked ahead of bumper pool that he was way more productive than sure. in college. I 90. mean, maybe they've got some traits. That is a boatload of tackles. That's what I'm saying. At Arkansas, in the SEC. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You couldn't tell this guy probably while he was playing that he wasn't going to be a draft pick with the seasons that he was putting together. Well, and look, it, I know Cam Peoples was injury prone a little bit. And 704 number wrote, as much as I would like to see Cam Peoples make the team too inconsistent, in my opinion. We did see some awesome performances from him. And App State turns out awesome running backs. Yeah, 2,800 yards. Cam Peoples, one of them. You know, certainly lives up to the hype as much as some of these other running backs do. Feel free to join the conversation. You can talk a little bit more about some of your thoughts on the my name is segment with the undrafted free agents here on the roster. Well, real quick, I will ask you too. continuing on with that conversation. When you talk about them bringing in some F- XFL guys this week, uh, Austin pro to name one guy that they brought in and with the XFL and the USFL. Now, do you think that that's making it even harder 
for these undrafted free agents to make these teams because now you have two leagues that you can pick from with guys that are getting quality reps against fairly fairly decent talent. Well, it, it might serve also as a benefit, right? Because if you're an undrafted free agent, you eventually don't sign on with an NFL team. You, you can go, go and make some money for the XFL. You produce there, and now all of a sudden you kind of, okay, maybe you view that as better competition. NFL team sees you. Okay, now you've proven that you can take one step sure. up. So now we'll come back and revisit because you did at least get a look from a different NFL team. So maybe even helps in some cases as well for some of those guys. Yeah, because now you have three leagues. You can go to Canada. You can go to the USFL. I like the USFL a little bit better, but I feel like they're in year two. They're a little more established. I think their quality of football a little bit better than XFL. I am going to watch the XFL championship game, though. I think it's this weekend. I'm definitely going to watch that. But uh, I'm glad that guys don't have to necessarily go to Canada, and that's their only option now. They can go to either one of these leagues as well. Yeah, shout out to Chris Reynolds, by the way. Charlotte QB going to the CFL. Going to be awesome to see yeah. him playing for Calgary Stampeders, I believe, is the team that he signed with. So awesome to see that's Chris. The team I think Doug Flutie played for. I have no clue. I, I knew somebody that played in the CFL, and they it's talented. People, oh yeah, you, you, it's you good see football. Oh yeah, CFL. They'll Warren yeah. Moon came from there. Well, who? What's the story? Ah, maybe we can find it. Yeah, Warren Moon played for the Edmonton Oilers. Was it Chad Ochocinco that he talked about there. the CFL? Yeah. So what he was saying was like, all right, I'm about to eat. You know, I. NFL, awesome, like Hall of Fame caliber receiver. That's a debate for a different time. But he was like, I'm about to eat. He was like, oh, wait, no, these guys are amazing. <laughs> yeah. like, I did not realize. That's that a quality league. Oh, yeah, 100%. Seven Do you ever watch it? Not really. Because it comes on. I mean, I watch a little bit, man, especially it comes on right at that time, right before NFL starts. I get in a little late night CFL action. Mm -hmm. Am uh, I just a football junkie? Um, Stanford P. wrote in again, no, Wes was right the first time. That's the correct pronunciation. My grandparents are from Liverpool. It was just a happy coincidence. Yeah, Jaguar. Right. So, all right, we've got... Oh, that was good. It's funny. Well, you you roared a little bit. Yeah, I said Jaguar. It's sexiness with uh, that thing. It, it's sexy. Elba. It's the it's animalistic, <laughs> right? You're saying a roar as you're saying it. I like all of that. Yeah, a lot of people are telling us how to pronounce it the right way. So many different spellings here. Um, we'll just go with Jaguar. That's how we'll roll with. And then maybe we can play the soundbite your girlfriend sent in so we can really get it correct. Let's move on. Panthers pressure cooker, Joe Person of The Athletic, he dropped an article within the last day or so about some of the players on the roster who need to step up the most. Now, we'll give you our answer as to who we think has the most pressure this season. But Joe's answer was Jeremy Chin. Not surprised, Wes. And I think it's not because the guy's not a talented player, right? Like, if you were to put Terrace Marshall into the mix, Jeremy Chin has accomplished more in the NFL than a Terrace Marshall. But we also know the kind of ability that Chin has, having finished second in defensive rookie of the year voting, having all of this versatility, having a great combine, being the Isaiah Simmons light during the draft process, and then outperforming him in his rookie year, right? Like that was the question. Okay, we skip on Isaiah Simmons. We draft Derek Brown in the first round. So we get Simmons light with the other versatile safety in Jeremy Chin, and it works out great, except for your first round wasn't performing all that well until this past season. Jeremy Chin's number one. My question to you, because clearly he's accomplished a decent amount in the NFL so far already, but is he the key for this defense to be a top five unit? If if Brian Burns, Derek Brown, they have a good season. J.C. Horn stays healthy for the most part and plays up to his ability, has a good season. You feel good about the safety position. You feel good enough about linebackers despite some depth. 
it feels like Jeremy Chin is the guy that if he hits Pro Bowl level play, whether he gets in or not, whatever that is, those are some moving parts to discuss. But I feel like he's the X factor here to really bring them to an entirely different level with his versatility. What is that level? The top top three? five, something okay, like that. Top five. Yeah, just like being one of the best defenses in the league, and will define that being top five. I think so. Uh, I'm going to agree with you there because he can make this defense dynamic. When they talk about how they want to use him, as far as the blitz packages, we know that was one of his better grades analytically. So you're talking about all the different things and ways you can move him around. You can use him for matchups on tough tight ends if you're playing a, a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or one of those guys. And so I think that he's a guy that can really make this defense go from uh, pretty good to dynamic. And so that's why I'll put it. So I'll, I'll agree with you there. If he comes out there wrecking shop, blitzing, being a, a real pest to tight ends, I think that he can make this defense a, a upper-tier level defense. Dante. Dante Jackson is number two on this list. And I feel like that's another good answer here, too. Because if, okay, you didn't think that responsibility was with Jeremy Chin, you could look opposite of J.C. Horn and say, ooh, I don't feel great about that other cornerback spot. I've always liked Dante Jackson. I don't know how polarizing he is. Maybe it's even a lukewarm take. I wouldn't call it hot that I like Dante Jackson. Just a lukewarm take from me. What is it that you like about his game? I'm interested in. Well, because I think on go routes, he has the speed to keep up with guys, even after the injuries. And I know the potential is there. If you were to go back and look at the routes that he covered the best, he was one of the top guys covering go routes in the NFL. I don't think he's strong enough or big enough to cover some of the bigger receivers. Even a Godwin is more physical, can eat on slants and more physical routes that are meeting the football once it's thrown, right? Mike Evans, clearly Dante Jackson, Mike Evans. That's a bad matchup. I like him as a number two, playing some of the smaller receivers. And as we've talked about, I do think there's some untapped potential to look at him at nickel. I do think that he has that kind of ability. And so covering smaller receivers, I'm cool with it, right? He's never going to make a Pro Bowl. But as far as what his role is supposed to be, number two, with maybe some versatility to come inside, if you do have a Jero Averro as a defensive coordinator making that decision, then okay. Like, I'm cool with that. But understanding he is inconsistent. The discipline, I think it's better than what it was at the beginning of his career. But, Mm -hmm. you know, clearly he'll make a a break for the ball and and get beat sometimes as well. But he also has to stay healthy for the most part, right? Like so much of the problem with Dante Jackson is his injury history. What about Dante Jackson makes him a possible guy? Like, okay, if he performs well, that actually has a bigger impact on this defense than maybe Jeremy Chin. Yeah, I mean, I think that's asking a lot. I've never been a big fan of uh, Dante Jackson. I feel like he doesn't play with a lot of instincts. I think he relies a lot on that speed. Uh, Well, I think his instincts are just wrong sometimes. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, you're talking about a guy that gives up a career 66.8% of uh, completions thrown his way. He's missed almost 18% of tackles for his career uh, and given up a career 12.3 yards per catch. So, you know, this is a guy, like I said, that just kind of relies a lot on his speed and athleticism. The way he talks and the way he acts, that's what I guess kind of annoys me about him is that he talks (laughs) so much, but he gives up so much. And so uh, that that's the thing for me. The way he carries himself, you would think he's a top five corner. He should when you're a cornerback. You have to forget about the last play. You have to carry yourself with a lot of swagger, no doubt about it. But the numbers just aren't adding up. So, uh, you know, 
Could he bounce back this season? Yeah, maybe, but I just don't see it at this point uh, when your guy is five years into the league. He gave up 76.6% completions thrown his way last year in 2022. Yeah, he had a 69 coverage grade a couple of years ago and just hadn't been able to stay healthy. I'm with you, though. Consistency, availability, net needs to be a lot better. Yeah, he's, not, he's not scared. I mean, he he misses tackles, but he's not scared. That is one thing about him. I don't think he's scared to get physical. Fitty, you had some Dante Jackson thoughts? I was just going to say, like, isn't one of the things he does bring to the table is a, is a swagger? And, the, and, like, Wes spoke some truth. Like, when you talk the way he talks and then you have the numbers that he has, it, it maybe gets annoying. But this was a guy that was here when Thieves Avenue was still a really big thing here. And it's something that, that the fan base kind of rallied around. And going into last year, before he got hurt, there was a confidence because of the way he was talking about not just himself, but the rest of that cornerback room. I think that's important for a defense that's going under or that's going over an overhaul to have a guy that's still got some swagger and what he can do in that room can do. But you got to be able to play some ball. Though. That's the thing. Like as you sit down on a team, when you have teammates, they kind of put out that bravado like that. But like the old Tupac line said it, you can tell the people you roll with, whoever you want, but you and I know what's going on. And so when you're in the locker room with a guy that talks like that, you're like, all right, you know, here you go again, and then he's going to get burned again. Here's what I'll say, too. You know, one, the, the run defense actually before last year was actually really good. Like it, That's the thing. You, you can see a 78 and a half, a 76 grade in 2020 and 2021. Not good last year, though. And there's the inconsistency. I think Matt Rule, when he was here, Dante Jackson, I think, is a good example of someone where Rule tried to have this dictator type of rub some dirt on it and go out there football mind. And Dante Jackson played hurt a lot, and they love Dante. Even Scott Fitterer likes Dante. Hell, I mean, they gave him a contract, right? And I think he played hurt a lot over the last three seasons. And I just wonder, okay, it's fair if you want to call into question just how much he's injured. We've done that quite a bit. But also, do you give him a little benefit of the doubt? And I do, right? There's a doubt. I give him that benefit. You don't. And that's fair. I could see both ways. I give him benefit of the doubt as far as being able to play better when he's not playing hurt. They throw him out there a lot. Like, you heard comments from Matt Rule, too, about Eli Apple, which I know Eli Apple's personality is wild. But they didn't like his toughness playing through injury, so they threw him out. And you would hear stuff, man, about... This not only just the medical staff, but the coaching staff wanting to put guys out there on the football field despite them not being ready. We saw how they use Christian McCaffrey. Why is he getting a 90% snap share off of injury? Right? Like just unnecessarily putting a kind of snap share, a type of toll on bodies that are not 100% ready to come back. I, I hope that this new coaching regime, I hope they're smarter in that area with this organization too. Because you would have people questioning that and more so than other teams, like other teams would get it right. San Francisco, Wes, like I, you know, Stefania Bell talked about this on ESPN, praising San Francisco for how they handled injuries. And let me tell you, not so much with Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I do think Dante's a tough guy, though. I won't take that yeah. from him. I think he's a tough guy. My thing with him is I just don't think he plays with a lot of instincts. But as I said, playing yeah. at that size out there, he's not the biggest guy at all. And he will stick his head in there. So, yeah, hit or miss. Know, if he's yeah. listening, you are a tough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. We know. <laughs> yeah. um, let's let's do this. I did want to get to the Panther we think has the most pressure on him this season, offense and defense. Let's give you those answers on the other side of the break. And then we'll transition into some of our favorite potential NBA postseason storylines because there is a lot to get to there as well. Still to come, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
They come suck the blood out of us. That's a little Grizel, the West Side Gun. That's that uh, guys don't bleed. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I love that we have that a part of our arsenal. Speaking of which, Fiddy told me that we have reached our quota on available songs to put into our satchel. Yeah, we man, do I not, just added 21. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no, we, that's not what I said. I thought you said we couldn't fit any more music in. No. So like the way that it's it's back here, it's on pages. So I have all of our music divided. Like I have my music. Wes's music, your music, then I have a page of y'all's combined music. Mm-hmm. Well, on Wes's music alone, I have put in as much as the page will allow. <laughs> I've got a, a row of six, and it's, I'll count this on the air. Okay. One, two, great. three, four, five, One, six, two, seven, three. eight, nine, uh, ten, uh, 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 uh. eleven, twelve, full circle thirteen, vampires. fourteen, fifteen. I've got 120 songs for Wes loaded in on this one page. Yeah, I'm good, man, for a while. Well, and the thing, so when I will load songs into the system, <laughs> I'll sit there and I'll make a day out of it. When really, I mean like an hour and a half of it, but that's still a long time. So like, exhausting. What, what I'll do is I'll, I'll make sure, because we have, I believe, nine songs that play every day, not including some of the usual bits. And so I'll try to say, okay, maybe if we can go, if I go 18, if I get 19, then I, I have to get to the other increment of nine. Right, so like I got to get to twenty-seven, and so I'll do that. But I also delete the previous music. Yeah. So we can work so on. My that. problem is I love it so much. Once I start doing it, I can't stop. Yeah, I it's fine. Make myself stop. Yeah, and there's like other things we need to pay attention to for the show. But it's like, well, uh, we can get more music. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what we can roll with. Um, okay, so we teased in going to the break that we need to figure out the offensive player with Carolina that had the most pressure to perform this season, and the defensive player, Wes. Choose one on offense. We'll go offense first. Who do you think that player is in light of the uh, Joe Person article, the Panthers pressure cooker? Woo, I'm going to go in a direction you might not think I'm going to go in. I'm going to go with Icky Aquano because okay. uh, out there at the left tackle position, he finished last year analytically 65.3 uh, according to PFF, but he did have a nice season as far as pass blocking went. But I think this is the season that – necessarily you don't want to see him come all the way, even though you'd enjoy it. But this is the year where we're going to see, okay, you had your growing pains. You went up against some of the best guys last year. What did you learn? Are you going to come into this season and really establish yourself as one of the better young tackles in the game? Because if not, if he's out there struggling again this year, I think maybe you start looking for another left tackle, just like we see some teams as far as – the draft with quarterbacks now, how they have the shorter leashes because they're not paying them as much money. Now, I think Icky is going to step into that mode, and I think he's going to be better this season. But just saying that, because when you look at the rest of the guys, kind of DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, kind of playing with house money, veteran guys that were going to come in. We expect things from them, but not much going on there. But and some of the other guys on the offense, but I won't steal your thunder because I know you're going to have some selections. But I'm going to go with Icky because I think this is the year we want to see is he really going to establish himself as one of the best young tackles in the game because if he doesn't, they're either going to want to maybe kick him down inside in the future and find another guy out there 
or I, you know, I think three years is probably the max that they want to find out. But I think this year is going to be a big year for him to see how far of a leap he takes. Yeah, just to see. No, I like that pick. I like it a lot because there is a lot of pressure, especially rookie QB, smaller QB, right. where everybody is questioning blindside protection. Mm-hmm. I think Nicky Kwanu is a good answer. I'll go a different route. Somewhere uh, to someone that actually did not appear on Joe Person's article, a part of The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, by the way, at Joseph Person. I'm going to go with Terrace Marshall. I've been talking about him quite a bit. I just think it's such a make-or-break season for him. This is going to be his third year. Talk about injury-prone with Dante Jackson. Still the same thing here with Terrace. And he did step up. He did step up in the second half of last season. But you drafted Mingo 39. About 20 spots higher. I think it's exactly 20 spots higher than you did with Tara. So now you're arguably more invested in a Jonathan Mingo pairing him with the wide, uh, with a young new QB like Bryce young, you're having to compete with Thielen. They brought in Chark as well. So they're going to eat into some of your targets. Same thing with Hayden Hurst. who's going to have more targets and receptions than what Tommy Trimble and Steven Sullivan and anybody did last year. Ian Thomas. Now you got somebody that actually has some kind of solid career, a lot of mouths to feed. Even if you don't have some superstar anywhere, that's a lot of mouths to feed for you to be able to eat and therefore also try to make a lot of money on whatever your next contract is. And that's the kind of guy that we were discussing as much as I thought it was far-fetched. I never bought into the conversation of whether he could be a surprise cut going into last season. But if you were a part of that convo, you made it. Are you a part of that convo somehow this season? I even if you make the roster, right, that's not the point. We, we don't think these guys are going to get cut. But Terrace Marshall makes the roster and then doesn't perform. I think Terrace has a lot of pressure here. He didn't appear on this list, but I, I think that's my offensive answer. Defensively, Wes, who do you have? Uh, defensively, when you go over to that side of the ball, I know that we talked about Jeremy Chen, but I also think the same uh, for J.C. Horn. I think this is going to be a big year for him as well. We know that he can play, but it's just a matter of is he going to stay healthy and be that dependable guy for them to turn into that stud corner uh, that you want to see him kind of continue to be because he is a, a really good player. And so at this point, the injuries have hurt him a lot. And I think you feel like this year, especially if he takes another injury to where he misses more than four games, I think you start to get a little disappointed and, and the label really starts to fit of injury prone. And so maybe you do start thinking about that contract because we know what top tier corners can command on a football team. And so you have to think, okay, is this a guy we want to pay going forward? Is this guy going to be the the fixture in our defensive backfield? So I go JC Horn. All right. So I, I actually, I agree with Joe on Jeremy Chin and Dante. I think both of those are great answers. I like JC. There's a lot of guys, right? I'll give you one that's outside the box just for the sake of parody. What about Derek Brown? Okay. Derek Brown. Awesome season. One way you could look at it is, all right, no, he's arrived. This is the true him. But he only has one season out of the three that you felt really good about. We were flirting with that bust label for him, but he surpassed that. We're not worried about that right now. Can you stack it up with another good year that leads to another big old contract? The other thing I'll go with is there is a change for him. You do have an odd man front that you're going to be in base. It's going to be multiple. He's going to be inside. But right now, his projected starting position is odd man defensive end. So is there any struggle with that? I don't think there will be. This is not some prediction. I don't think Derek Brown is going to struggle at that spot. I actually think he's going to do well. But it is a difference. 
You are working with a different defensive coordinator. You do have a little bit of a change in a lineup. It's not your position that you broke out in last year. And same thing with Icky. Can you now become a Pro Bowl player at that spot? Can you take another step up to where it's justified that he's not included in any of these trade packages? Or do you move down a little bit, not rush the passer as well, not have that high of a grade anymore to the point where you fall back a little bit closer to what you were in your second season? I don't think any of that happens, but it you know far-fetched for me to say that it's 100% he's going to perform. Like, I think he is, but I think that's one guy I would go with if we wanted some pain. And you have to think about just two paying him that big old bag. We talked about the contracts just the other day. Derek Lawrence, uh, Dexter Lawrence getting his bag up there in New York. So you got to be thinking about that. If he's not performing up to snuff and you get to around the halfway point of the year and he's Mm -hmm. underwhelming, you have a decision to make there too because you know he's going to want that type of money. Let's keep this conversation going. We can talk a little bit more about the NBA playoffs later. I wanted to give that its light. Um, 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. We want to hear some of your thoughts on the offensive player and the defensive player that has the most pressure to perform this season. Big Cat Dan wrote in Miles Sanders. We let Deontay Foreman walk, so he has some shoes to fill. I like that answer. How do you perform without one of the better offensive lines that we've seen in the last 10 years? And Miles Sanders has one truly breakout running season. Also, I need to see you show those hands again like you did your rookie year. I think that's more coaching decision-based rather than lack of ability to be a pass catcher out of the backfield. But I like Miles Sanders. Big Cat Dan also wrote in YGM. More of an obvious one, clearly. this is. Make I thought break. you were going to go with Miles Sanders for sure. Yeah, no, it's a good answer. And YGM, that's an easy one. You know, he's playing for his yeah. life. In because the Marshall, right when you look at it at this point, do you feel like it's a foregone conclusion? Because Chark and Thielen seem entrenched as the starters. Do you feel like it's a foregone conclusion once they made that selection of Jonathan Mingo that, I mean, Marshall... Not necessarily whatever he does, it's not going to work out. But do you really feel like it's just a formality at this point that he's going to be replaced by Mingo? No, I don't think it's a formality. The reason I think so is because DJ Chark's on a one-year deal. And so because it's so short, you constantly have to think ahead. And even your number one receiver is over 30. He's an older receiver. So maybe if everything works out, maybe you could have your one and two with Marshall and Mingo. That That is a possibility down the line. So I don't think it's a formality, but Marshall has to play better. And Mingo does. Everybody's got some form of pressure. But that's why I just think, that's why I keep going to Terrace on, on some of these questions. 704 wrote in, Chuba Hubbard step up year. Matt Rule's wife is gone. <laughs> Remember the story. Matt Rule, his wife. <laughs> Thank you. Matt Rule's wife said that they should draft Chuba, and so they did in that NFL draft a couple of years ago. 803 that number wrote in, I agree with you guys uh, with your pick regarding the Panther players with the most pressure. Their pressure is totally attributed to the lack of Matt Rule's coaching. DJ Chark and Dante Jackson is somebody they're going with. Contract year for DJ Chark, for sure. I think that's a good answer, too. Just somebody coming in. Which could bow well for you. It, it could. And uh, Robbie Anderson performed in a contract year. Got paid. After that, no more. I, I gave Robbie Anderson the benefit of the doubt, too, at that time, and it Never came to fruition. Show me the money. Now he's with Miami? Isn't Robbie Anderson? Now, Chosen Anderson, I will do him the respect. Chosen Anderson, I believe. He is now with Miami, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) They are fast, 100%. You're talking about Cam, son? (laughs) He was. I forgot Cam. I forgot. Yeah, we're getting the symbol all sorts of ways. I forgot Cam named his uh, son uh, Chosen as well. 813 
the hands-down answer for defense, Gross Matos, pick number 38, might not even make the roster if he doesn't step up. He is in no man's land if he doesn't step up. Yeah, I mean, there are obvious answers as far as making the roster or not. Just kind of looking at who we think could have a big role. What's the biggest range of outcomes is what I'm kind of looking at. I don't think Gross Matos is going to step up and be an amazing player, but he's absolutely playing for a roster spot as it currently stands. What about Adam Thielen, too, just trying to deliver on this contract? I I don't think that there's a lot, but I know Joe Person talked about Adam Thielen on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday, and here he is discussing Adam Thielen's, uh, how he knows the questions surrounding him and whether he still has it. He's going to be 33 in August, and that's starting to get around the, 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 the time and place where unless you are Steve Smith or, or Jerry Rice, a lot of receivers start falling off. But I, I, I liked what he said uh, about a lot of those things. He, he said he didn't really change up his, his off-season conditioning or his plan. I mean, he feels pretty good about how it's worked for the course of his first 10 years in the league. I don't think there's that much on him right now. One, you got paid. So you got that last contract, and I think this is probably it for him. But just for your pride, wanting to produce, I do think for sure you could put some there. What I will say about Thielen is that there's not as much pressure on him. He is not the sole guy. For instance, I thought there was a lot on DJ Moore to perform last year. Bad quarterback play. Your number two wide receiver last season was Terrace. Especially because when you came into the season with it being Robbie Anderson... Robbie didn't perform at all. You trade him midseason. Terrace pops up to the number two wide receiver. You're having to rely on Shy Smith. Your tight ends aren't helping you at all. It's Tommy Tremble and Ian Thomas. Who else are you throwing to? Deontay Foreman isn't coming out. Like DJ Moore was literally the only guy that you could throw to. Lots of pressure. That's not the case this season. You have Adam Thielen, who doesn't have a lot of responsibility as the number one option, but you still are that. DJ Chark can help you out. We can go down the list. We've done it a million times. So I think that really helps him ease in to the twilight of his career. I think it does to an extent, but I still think he's the de facto number one. And I think by default, he's going to have that pressure to be the guy to get the Panthers passing game going because Let's say Mingo comes in, he doesn't pan out. Terrence Marshall uh, doesn't pan out and is still not where he needs to be. Then you boil it down to DJ Chark and Adam Thielen. And this is a guy last year that got 103 targets and he had 70 receptions. He only dropped one pass. So that's why I said I expect him uh, to have a pretty good season here in Carolina. I think Bryce Young will get him the football. But especially with a rookie quarterback, it's going to be looking for that veteran to be that dependable guy. I think he... The pressure is on. And as you said, everybody has pressure to a degree. But I think when you're the de facto number one wide receiver at his advanced age, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at him because if he's not able to put in the requisite work and put in the requisite statistics for this team, then it's like, who do you depend on? Because let's just say Chark is banged up most of the year and then the young young guys aren't coming along, then it could be a really bad thing if Adam Thielen is not producing, but I I don't expect that to be the case, but I do think that he has a lot on his shoulder. Twitter Chris wrote, are you guys forgetting Hayden Hurst exists? No, we've mentioned him, but also at that point, I think we've seen every player on the roster listed. (laughs) Now, all 53 people, even with us talking about the undrafted players, now we're talking about every single player on the roster. I don't think anybody thinks 
I think Hayden Hurts is going to come in here and have a really good season, but he was not signed with the intent of coming in and being all of a sudden turning into Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I, I, there are plenty more players, in my opinion, that have more pressure than he does right. to perform. I, I mean, because even if he just does what he's been doing the last few years, 500 right. he gives yards, you 50, 60 balls, six. Five, six hundred yards. Yeah. Be good. Totally good. Uh, we have Fitty's favorites coming up next. We'll get to the NBA playoff conversation in the last hour. We have an hour and a half way to go. Halfway, not only through the show, but really through the week at this point. So over hump day, over hump of the week. We'll get through it as we go on. Hump of the hour. Yeah. Just uh, I'm going to leave it alone. All right. Time now for the second <laughs> Fitty Flash. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Well, guys, I've been back here humping to get this flash ready for you guys. (laughs) Doesn't work. Still weird. You know, last night, Charlotte FC got another win in the U.S. Open Cup. They took down Orlando 1-0 on a strike from Camille Joswiak. The crowd will find out their next opponent for... Uh, the the U.S. Open Cup will have its draw tomorrow, so they'll have they'll find their next opponent as they make their way for that competition. Of course, they're back in action this weekend in Atlanta uh, as as one of the the biggest rivalries in the MLS will renew itself this Saturday. And last night at home, the Charlotte Knights they fell to the Durham Bulls five to three. They'll be back in action tonight at seven oh five in Uptown. Yeah, Charlotte FC picking up the win last night. We asked Jessica Charman, who joined us yesterday. You can catch that interview on WFNZ.com. I asked her if it's fair to say that they are moving in the right direction. She said she needed to see more than just one victory. Can you string a couple of victories in a row? Well, they've done that now, so we'll see maybe if that actually is a positive trajectory for Charlotte FC. Fitty's favorites coming up next. We saw T-Bone give a list of his top five TV moms of all time in honor of Mother's Day. Well, we'll go the opposite direction. We'll play off of it, except the different direction. How about favorite TV dads, according to Josh okay. Marlowe? That's coming up next. Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNC. to get to Fitty's favorites on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You are listening to Wesson Walker. Favorite TV dads. A lot of people writing in on the text line 704-570-9610. Simon and Croquet. Is that right or Croquet? I'm going to say Croquet. I'm going to French it up a little bit. John Amos. It's a good one. John Amos writing that in. Good times. Yeah. Bobby in Fayetteville. My favorite TV dad is Al Bundy. No doubt. Yo, man, that was one of my guys that would have been on my top five. Yeah, we have some Al Bundy uh, mentions in here. 980 number said, yo, this is Chuck T. That's a great name. I had to jump in on this one. Al freaking Bundy. Hands down. As a black man, I wished he was my pops. Is that DJ Chuck T.? Um, or Chuck D, the MC, then maybe he just had Oh, a, did he say Chuck T? No, Chuck he, D? he said Chuck T. Yeah, that might be the DJ. And, right. So I was saying, you know, I was just yeah. going with a different joke, but okay. it's okay. I got you. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, do you, do you uh, resonate with that at all from Chuck T writing that in as a black man? Wish that Al Bundy was, was your pops? Did you have any Yeah, Al like Bundy that? was, uh, he was lit, man. I Al- mean, he ran his household with a great <laughs> nonchalant. 
Um, uh, we can get to some more of these. You can feel free to write them in again. 704-570-9610. We had a whole influx of texts come in on that. So we'll try to sift through those in just a little bit. But this is Fitty's segment. Time now for Fitty's favorites. Number five, Fitty. Favorite TV dads of all time. Who comes in in fifth place? All right. I did have some um, like honorable mentions I wanted to work in here really quickly. I'll go to Game of Thrones, Ned Stark of House Stark, Tywin Lannister of House Lannister. Name, names that you guys don't know. Over my head. But they're they're great dads, and they both... Well, one of them gets killed by a son, and then the other one gets, gets killed because that's what happens when you go to King's Landing. And then... <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, that, that's, those were the two I wanted to work in really quickly. Number five, I just finished the show itself. Great character, great actor, Frank Costanza from Seinfeld. As a dad in that show, Walker, we've, we were having a multiple conversations yeah. today. He's a much better dad in that show, in your opinion, yes. than in King of Queens. Well, honestly, I don't even know if that's true. I, I think the character is great. We love who he is. As a person and as an actor in either Seinfeld or King of Queens, but how great of a of a father is he really? Like, because we have Quancock wrote that in Arthur Spooner on King of Queens. I love that show. It's one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. We cannot talk about him being a good father. This man openly withheld a Florida State acceptance letter from Carrie so he would not be lonely in New York and she would leave him for Tallahassee. That is an all-time bad father move. No way we can call. Plus, constantly asking for money, living in the house, making up his own rules despite it not being his house. Like, nah, man. Arthur Spooner, I'm sorry. <laughs> great character. We cannot sit here and call him a good father. Douglas? Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Yells in either one of those roles, by he the does, way. The yeah. all-time yellingness father, I think, is the award that Arthur Spooner. Um, God, what's his name? Spiller. Or, 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 what's his name again? Jerry, oh, ben, Jerry, yeah, Jerry yeah, Stiller. Yeah, Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller. Ben Thank Stiller you. is his R.I.P., by the way, Jerry Stiller. All right, number four, who do you have for us, Fitty? Yeah, Bronx Mike texted, Fitty is bugging, LOL. Jamie Lannister was an uncle and a father to his kids. Well, I didn't say Jamie. Oh, weird. I said Tywin. <laughs> so uh, put your listening needs on there, Bronx Mike. Number four, this one might be controversial because of what he did for a living, but I wrote down Tony Soprano <laughs> because... I, I think he had that, that tough love, but there was also soft sides to him as a father where he would go to no ends to make sure his daughter, Meadow, and his son, AJ, got the things that they wanted, got the things that they needed, and showed them how to make a name for themselves. We Aunt Mob dads always like that. They kill and do all this heinous stuff before their kids. Remember Nicky Santoro and Casino cooking pancakes for his son <laughs> after he killed three people the night before? I mean... Uh, you, you've never seen Sopranos, right? Or you have? No, I have not. Yeah, so I don't know, but it seems like a mob father, it could go one of both ways. You could either be a fantastic father <laughs> in a bunch of illegal ways, or you could be an awful one in also a bunch of illegal ways. All right, number three, Fiddy, who comes in third place? All right, number three, everyone probably thinks Tim the Toolman was going to show up in here from Home Improvement. I've got a Tim Allen character, but I go Mike Baxter from Last Man Standing. I was actually watching some of that show yesterday. When I got home from work, I think it's it's underrated. When it rebooted, it wasn't as good. They recasted a couple characters, and it just wasn't as good originally. I think Tim Allen, as an overall actor, is underrated when he's in a dad role. He's good in Last Man Standing. He's good in Home Improvement. 
And when he's a dad in the Santa Claus movies, he's also a really good dad while also being Santa Claus. I, I think he's appropriately rated because that's the role you think of him as, right? Maybe the only other one I would go to, I guess, is Toy Story, but that's the only one. Everyone else is, he's a dad. I think probably appropriately rated. Did you like I, Tool Time? Oh, yeah, definitely. I like Tool Time, Home too. Improvement was one of my favorites. Yeah, that was a good one. Number two, Fiddy, what you got? All right, number two... I put in Ray Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond because, I mean, first off, he lives a life that I would like to live. He works in okay. sports. Yeah. Has a beautiful wife. Has great children. I could <laughs> I could deal without the parents, but I, I I think I think he is a really good dad because. Mainly, he's just a dumbass. I, I, Ray Barone <laughs> is hilarious. The guy, I mean, just as far as the quips he makes, maybe no one better than Ray. I mean, there's going to be a lot. But Ray Barone is great. Love the show. Everything about it. I actually watched that last night. So I'm cool with this one. Maybe a little high on my list if I were to have Ray Barone. But he'd probably be featured in the top five. Number one, Fiddy, before we go to break and then share some of our answers, some of your answers texting in, who comes in as the top TV dad of all time? You know, this might have recent bias because I just watched the show within the last two months but it's got to be read for because a it gives you that drop and I mean you know he, he is the Tony Soprano of dad's wasn't a mob boss he does for his kids He's always there for them, takes care of their wants and their needs. He just doesn't, you know, screw people 24-7, 365. Would Eric Foreman call him the best TV dad of all time? I'd probably say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can if you want. He's a great character as well. Probably a little hard on Eric Foreman, but that's okay. I did love the character itself. Did you like Red Foreman being here? I did like him. I liked him better as uh, Kurt Wood Smith and RoboCop, but other than that... <laughs> <laughs> like, semi... Uh, I mean, he, like, he'll pop up in a bunch of uh, famous movies, but in almost sub-category, like, C actor, right? Yeah. In some of the... the uh, bigger hits of all time. Lots of text to comb through. Let's do that on the other side. Then we'll get Wes's list. Did you make one? Top five? Do you have? Yeah, a list I can just you can go, go right to? off the top of the dome. All so right. Yeah, I got you. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Two o'clock hour coming up next. Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNs. One last mention. Roy Williams, NC State's daddy.